make it out and be with us as we come and pray uh, as the people of God. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And so we're going to make outside our house and uh, we're going we're gonna to pray. We're going to pray over our city, pray over our nation, pray for God to move. How many of you know that prayer changes things? Things happen when God's people pray. And I know sometimes we wonder about that, but like Daniel said, there are times when you know, what, what seems like us are small movements, are movements none the same, uh, just the same by the power of God working in our time. And so we're, we're believing God is doing a good thing right now. But it's good to see all of you that have come out here this morning to worship and to, to, to you know, be in somewhat of fellowship. And uh, so let's get our hearts prepared for the Word of God. Uh, if you have your Bibles... Let's open them together to Isaiah chapter 63, and uh, I want to talk to you today. I have a message uh, that I think was somewhat confirmed in my mind, or in my heart anyway, by the message that came by way of the Holy Spirit this morning. I've entitled this message, The In-Between Place. Would you say that with me? The In-Between Place. And uh, I want to come out of Isaiah chapter 63. Isaiah... uh, prophesied about 700 years before Christ came, and he was a prophet in the southern kingdom of Israel known as Judah, and uh, the nation at the time was on a drift from God. They were drifting away from God, and his prophecies throughout all of the book of Isaiah range from confronting the sin of the people to speaking comforting words of the, of the promised Messiah who was going to come and be their redeemer as a people, to also just basically warning the people that if they don't turn to God, things are not going to be good in the future. And that was the, you know, those were the various prophecies throughout the book of, of Isaiah Well, here in chapter 63, he has spent some time already talking about the coming Messiah who was going to set up his kingdom, and God was going to return the heart of his people to himself, and God was going to do great things, but they weren't in that place right there. They were kind of in between. They were in between what they were at one time and what they had experienced, but they weren't at the place that God was promising, and so he's... What we're going to see here in just a moment in Isaiah 63, he's offering up a prayer, basically. And what he does in this prayer is he hearkens back to another time when the nation of Israel was kind of in an in-between place. They were not no longer in Egypt, and they weren't in the land of promise just yet, but they were in this place, what we know as the wilderness. It's a, it was the in-between land. It was between what once was, but what could be or is going to be sometime. And so he's offering up this prayer and he looks back at that. And I want us to look at this because we're going to, we're going to draw some, uh, some, hopefully some ideas out of this passage. And so let's, let's pick up in uh, chapter 63, verse seven, the prophet says, and he says, I will mention the loving kindnesses of the Lord and the praises of the Lord, according to all that the Lord has bestowed on us and the great goodness toward the house of Israel, which he has bestowed on them according to his mercies, according to the multitude of his loving 
kindnesses. Not loving kindness, loving kindnesses. How many of you have experienced the loving kindnesses? Come on, can I get a good amen out there? He says in verse 8, For he, for he said, Surely they are my people, children who will not lie. So he became their Savior. In all their affliction, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. And he bore them and he carried them all the days of old. But they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. So he turned himself against them as an enemy. And he fought against them. Then he remembered the days of old. Moses and the people saying, Where is he who brought them out of the sea? with the shepherd of his flock? Where is he who put his Holy Spirit within them, who led them by the right hand of Moses with his glorious arm, dividing the waters before them to make for himself an everlasting name, who led them through the deep sea as a horse in the wilderness that they might not stumble as a beast goes down into the valley and the Spirit of the Lord causes him to rest, so you lead your people to make yourself a glorious name and that's the reading of the word and so let me just pray real quickly and we'll get on with the word father we thank you for your presence here today and father we just give you glory for this opportunity together again to come back together and lord jesus we thank you for your word your word is living and it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword and so we pray for this living word to bring and to refresh new life within every one of us today. Holy Spirit, I pray for power and grace to be able to give it and for every one of us to receive it today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says amen. So we read here in this passage of Scripture where Isaiah in prayer concerning the in-between place that the nation of Israel was at at the time of his prayer. He goes back, as I said, to that other time when they were in a similar situation. And back in the Exodus period, Israel found themselves in a land basically between lands. They were not in Egypt anymore, but neither were they in the land of promise. They were by by the grace of God, they were people of God, and they had the promise of God upon their lives, but they found themselves walking in the wilderness. Does anybody know anything about the wilderness in your life? They, they, they were no longer in Egypt, but they weren't fully where God had told them that they were going to be. And so they found themselves in this in-between. They were between their past and their future, in a, in a sense. And I'm sure every one of us understand this concept a little bit. You found yourself somewhere in between. So let's use the analogy of the Exodus just for a moment. We, we used to be in Egypt. Egypt represents bondage, slavery, brokenness, death. How many are glad you're no longer in Egypt anymore? By faith, or by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, we actually do live and dwell in the land of Canaan, in the abundant life of Christ, a land flowing with milk and honey. 
But to break that analogy down a little bit, we, we're no longer here in Christ. We are here, but also in Christ, we do experience that experience in our life of being in a wilderness. Sometimes we are led by the Spirit of God into times of wilderness where we're between a rock and a hard place. We're between a promise and an unfulfilled reality in our life, and we find ourselves kind of in between. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? In, in that in-between place. And so the in-between places are those times that we go through in our life when life becomes uncomfortable, and in fact, sometimes it even feels like it's unlivable. Like this is not a good place. I don't like the wilderness. I don't like being caught in between. I would just rather just either, like the Israelites, just either put me in Egypt or get me there. I want out of here. Come on. And so those, those are times, they're uncomfortable times. They seem like they're unlivable. The in-between place can be a place of spiritual desolation and dryness where you just feel like, where's the water? Where's the food? Where's the nutrients? Where's the joy? I don't want to be in this place right now in my life. I don't want to be out here. I want to be fully in where God has promised that I can be. And so it's a place of dryness and desolation. It can also be a place that feels like anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Amen. Smile at me out there. It can be that place where we feel isolated, rejected, alone. But it's in the place of the in-between that God can build his plan in our lives and begin to develop our character for his glory. God is up to something when it doesn't feel like we're neither here nor there. And I think right now as a nation, I think we've not been either here or there. I think as a nation, we're caught in between. I think as a people, we're caught somewhere in between. Even as the church in America and what we're all going through right now, we're not here and it doesn't feel like we're here. It feels like we're somewhere in between. That something, something, something's going on. We're in a place that feels uncomfortable. It's not the funnest place to be. It seems like a desolate place to be. It doesn't seem like our dreams are being fulfilled. And not only as a nation, as a people, as a church are we going through this, but you on an individual basis, every one of us in our journey with God, we may be here in another way for another reason, in this in-between place in our lives. But whatever the case, there is a way through this time. There is a way to get from this place to that place by the grace of God. There is a way to process our way through it. And you can't change always where you're at. You can't just twinkle your nose and end up somewhere pleasant and everything just working out good. God is in the midst of our in-between. He's with us in this place where we're not here, we're not here, this is where I'm at, this isn't the fun place, this seems like a desolate, dry place, it's uncomfortable, I don't even want to live here, but you are here. So how do we get through it? How do we go from here to there and get to where God wants us to be? Well, the way I want to deal with this is when you're stuck in the in-between place, there's some things that we can learn from Isaiah's prayer 
some principles that we can draw from it. Number one, when we're stuck in the in-between place, first of all, we need to declare God's praises. The very first thing we need to do is praise the Lord anyway and praise the Lord always. No matter what goes on in our lives, we need to turn our sour and our soul and spirit into a heart of praise and worship because God is good anyway. I may not be where I want to be, and I may not be experiencing what I want to experience right now in my life, but God is good. In fact, that's what verse 7 says here. Look at it. Verse 7 says, I will mention the loving kindnesses of the Lord. I love that. That's a plural form. He says that twice. He didn't just say that God is a loving, kind God. He is a loving, his loving, he has loving kindnesses in my life. God has been good to me. And he goes on and he says, and I will mention the praises of the Lord according to all that the Lord has bestowed on us. And the great goodness, God isn't just good, He is greatly good in our lives. Amen. And He says, He's bestowed these on us. He's bestowed mercies. There it is again, the plural form, according to the multitude of His loving kindnesses. That idea when He says, I will mention, I will mention this, literally means I will call it to mind. I will remember, I will set my focus on the great goodness of God when I'm in an uncomfortable place, when I'm in a place that I don't like, instead of complaining and murmuring like they did in the wilderness journey, I'm going to set my heart to be a man or a woman of praise in God's great goodness. Even though I don't like what's going on and I don't think what's going on is good, God is always good. His goodness is great because He does good things for me. He does good things in me. He's working good for my benefit and your benefit and the benefit of this nation. God is good. And that term loving kindnesses really refers to the covenant love, the, the, his unfailing love. He was, he was going to love them regardless of their unfaithfulness. He would love them despite that they were unfaithful. He would continue to love them and be there for them even when they weren't there for him. That's what loving kindness means, that God is kind in his love even when we don't deserve it and his mercies. How many thank God for mercy? You know what that means? That means he doesn't, get you, he doesn't give you what you deserve to get. Amen. We were talking just before service about one nameless governor in our nation who is giving himself all the glory and all the praise for the great things that he's doing more than God. And somehow I just don't want people to get away with that. But then, but then I think of how many things did I get away with? I didn't really get away with it, but you know, God was merciful. So I have to back myself up. Amen. And I thank God for his mercy. He's a merciful God. He's, he's there for me. He's, he's not against me. He's there to uphold me. He's there to save me. He's there to deliver me whenever I need it. 
I mean, things may not be great right now in this in-between place, in this wilderness place in your life, but praise God anyway. Hallelujah. Praise Him anyway. The last thing we want to do when we're struggling in the place like we're in is to praise the Lord. But praise is that mental and physical expression of gratitude even when you have a bad attitude. That's what praise is. It's showing gratitude even when you have a bad attitude. That's what it is. You don't have to, oh, I can't praise the Lord. I've got such a bad attitude. No, that's when you need to praise the Lord. That's when you need to call to mind the goodness of God, the great goodness of God, and the loving kindnesses of God. How many times has he loved you even when you failed him? And I can tell you, I just know by looking at the group, you failed him a lot. No, I'm joking. We've all failed him a lot. But he's loved us anyway. Amen. See, God... God expects us to praise, not because he needs it, but because he's commanded it for our own good. When I praise him, I'm not only doing what he said to do, but I'm relieving myself of the stress and the pressure and the, the sadness and the sullenness of spirit, and I'm lifting my heart to see the goodness and the greatness of God. God expects us to praise, but Satan doesn't expect you to praise the Lord when things go south. In fact, that's one of the reasons why he tries to manipulate things around your life. And he tries to get you into hard places and difficult places because he believes that you won't praise the Lord. Isn't that what he said to God about Job? He said, you withdraw your, your, your blessing from around his life and he'll curse you to your face. Job didn't do it. Satan fully expects that you won't praise the Lord when you're caught in a wilderness in-between place in your life, when you're neither here nor there, and you're upset about it, and you're angry about it, and you're mad about it, but you shift your bad attitude into a confessing gratitude and Lifting up, God, lifting up the praises of God because you know God's been good even when you didn't deserve it. Amen. Right? This is why David said in Psalms 34, 1, he said, I will bless the Lord. How many times? At all times. His praise shall, how often? Continually be in my mouth. I, David said, I will. See, that's what praise is. It's it's determining in your own heart beside, beyond how you feel and beyond the environment that you feel yourself trapped in right now to praise the Lord. I will do this. His praise shall continually be on my mouth. Not my problem, His praise. Amen. Why? Because praise is powerful. And I've shared this with you before, but I'm going to go ahead and share it again. From the Bible, here's what we learn about the power of praise. It causes dry wells to spring forth with fresh water. This is all in the Bible. It destroys an invading army. Praise ushers in the very presence of God. He sets up his throne in the praises of his people. That's what the Bible says. 
When you and I praise the Lord, we release God's blessings in our life. There's a release of it. God, the, the atmosphere over our life is shifted and the blessings of God are free to flow through us as we begin to praise the Lord. Praising the Lord heals our soul. Put on the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. You want to shift what you're feeling in your soul. If you want healing in your soul, begin to praise the Lord. Put on a garment of praise. You know what you do with clothes? You put them on. Nobody, if, if somebody's dressing you now, you're in bad shape. You got to put your own clothes on. Amen. Some wives dress their husbands, I know. Here's what praise does. It opens prison doors of opposition. Praise encourages others to walk by faith. God not only deserves our praise, but works mightily through our praises for his good and for his glory, for our good and for his glory. Amen. So when you're in the in-between place and you're not here and you're not there and you feel stuck here, praise the Lord anyway. Praise the Lord anyway. You're going to go through this one way or the other, and you can go through it pouting, angry, frustrated, bitter, or you can go through it seeing God in a clearer way, magnifying the Lord. Amen. The second thing we need to do from what I see in here is we need to trust in His presence. We need to declare and lift up His praise, but we also need to trust in his presence. Look at these words. I want you to listen to these words. Listen to these. He says, for he said, surely they are my people. This is in verse 8. He said, these, these are my people, children who will not lie. So he became their savior. I mean, thank him that he's your savior. And he says in verse 9, in all their affliction, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love, and in his pity, he redeemed them, and he bore them, and he carried them all the days of old. Now listen to verse 10, but he says, but they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. So he turned himself against them as an enemy, and he fought against them. So look at what God has done. When I look back and I read the account of the Exodus, and I see the nation and where they were at at that time, and I look at where we were at, I can see that God was good to them. And he's worthy of our praise. But beyond that, he's a God to be trusted. It says here in verse 9 that he said that he sent the angel of his presence and he saved them and he loved them and he had pity on them and he redeemed them and he bore them and he carried them. And the angel of his presence is a direct reference to the pre-incarnate form of Christ. It wasn't just an archangel or any angel out there. The angel of his presence, always in the Old Testament, refers to a theophany, if you will, the, the, the uh, manifestation of Christ before he was, became incarnate, came in the earth. It was actually the Lord himself with them, his presence. In fact, the word for presence literally reads face. The angel of his face was there. The presence of God was there. Did you know 
that no matter where you're at, the presence of the Lord is there. What you're going through, God is right there with you. Hallelujah. And I love what he said here in verse 9. He said that first phrase. He says, when they were afflicted, you were afflicted. When they were going through trouble, you were right there with them going through it. When they faced an enemy coming against them, you were right there. You knew what it was like to face the enemy. Whatever pain, whatever sorrow, whatever brokenness, whatever discomfort that they were in, you were going through it with them. I'm going to tell you, you can trust a God like that. There's nothing that you're going through right now. I, I know you're not here, and I know you don't feel like you're here in some sense in your life, but wherever, you may be right here, but God is right here. He's not over there waiting for you to get through it in all of your pain. He's walking you through this time, this time to get through it. Hallelujah. And you can trust a God like that. You can trust the Lord. He's right there. I love what the Hebrew writer said. I, well, first of all, let me just say this. He doesn't just, the Lord doesn't just empathize with you. He doesn't just understand what you're going through. He sympathizes. He feels it. He feels, he feels what you feel, and he, and he knows it. And that's what the Hebrew writer said in chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. He says, for we do not have a high priest, who cannot, read it with me, sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. He knows what you go through. He sympathizes. He feels it. He feels the pain. He feels the hurt. He feels the loneliness. He feels the isolation. He knows. Amen. How many of you thank God for that? And then he goes on. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Well, right here is a time of need, right? Right here is a time of need. And Jesus knows exactly what I'm going through. And he's with me in it. He's not on one end saying, get over there. Or on another end saying, get over here. He's with me right here amen is this doing anything for anybody we need to trust in god's presence the lord is with us right now i love this scripture actually i, I want to just show you something this is a a little bit of a side note if you look at verse 8 if you have your bibles open i want you to see something for he said surely they are my people children everybody say children children who will not lie Children, they're my people, they're my children. There we see the Father. And then in verse 9, in all their affliction, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. The angel of his presence is a reference to Christ, the Son. And then in verse 10, it says, but they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. We see the triune Godhead already at work in our lives, the very presence of God walking with us and through us. God, the Father who is above us, 
God the Son who is with us, God the Spirit who is in us. You're not alone. Hallelujah. God is working. He's, he's right there. And you can trust a God like this. You can trust the Lord to be there for you, to redeem you, to lift you up. And look at what he says. In, again, going again, sorry, back to verse 9. He says, and in their affliction he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity he redeemed them. And he bore them, literally, he lifted them up. How many thank God that he lifted you up? He lifted you up. He lifted you up. And he carried them. He carried them. He's not just in your presence. He is carrying you through this time. To know that God is right there with you, the presence, trusting the presence of the Lord. This is why we are in instructed by Solomon trust in the Lord with all your heart leaning not on your own understanding because when you're in wilderness time you try to start figuring out how to get out of this time you try to start figuring out how you're going to navigate manipulate situations and circumstances during this time in order to get to the happier time that's a dangerous place to be but when you're in a place where the way doesn't seem clear here's what you do trust the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him. And He will make the way straight before you. He's going to carry you through. He's going to get you from here to there, but you got to trust in the Lord. Put your trust in Him, and He will make the way straight. In another place, I think Isaiah is the one who said it, He will make the high places low and the low places high. Hallelujah. He knows how to make level ground for you to walk on, but you got to trust Him. you got to trust Him. I don't like being in between. He's there. You're not alone. He's carrying you through. Amen. But here's the problem for those who don't trust. He said... But they rebelled, in verse 10 he said, but they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. So he turned himself against them as an enemy, and he fought against them. This is the sad part, that God was there carrying them through, but they just couldn't receive his carry. And they would oftentimes end up complaining and murmuring and griping and just being frustrated and not wanting to be there and either wanting to go back to Egypt or they, they just there was an overall just general unhappiness in their life with where they were at and this is where they were at they didn't like it they didn't want to be there and so they rebelled against the Lord and so it says, instead of fighting for them, he fought against them. And I know that sounds hard. But this is what a lack of trust does to us. It manifests a rebellious attitude, a prideful attitude, where we're going to do it ourselves. I'm going to do this myself. That's a problem. Why? Because in the New Testament, in the New Testament, everybody say New Testament, the Lord resists the proud. If you might, you could say it this way. He fights against the proud. He stands, he opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. 
You'll get through it. He'll lift you up. He'll exalt you in due time. But if you walk in pride, you're, you're going to be withstood by the very presence of the Lord. Because he loves you. God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. This is why, you know, when, when he says here he grieved the Holy Spirit, that sounds familiar too because Paul borrowed that phrase and used it in the New Testament. And he said, let's not grieve the Holy Spirit. And in the context when he said that, he was talking about bitterness, rage, malice, slander, anger. All of which can be things that start rising up within us when we're caught in a place that we don't like to be in. Come on. He was using, in context, if you will, that essence of that angry, upset, frustrated feeling. I don't like where I'm at. I don't like what I'm going through. And he said, the people in in Israel's exodus, they grieved the Lord. Paul said, let's not grieve the Holy Spirit. Being angry and bitter. Trust the Lord. Let's, let's, let's rehearse it again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways. Acknowledge Him and He shall direct your path. Hallelujah. In all your ways, that means this present way. Acknowledge Him. So, when you're caught in between, first of all, we need to Praise the Lord anyway. But we also need to trust in God's presence. And then finally, we need to walk in God's power. We need to walk in God's power. So look at it here with me. In verse 10, they rebelled against the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, as one theologian said, is the executive arm of the of God. So whatever God is moving in the earth, whatever God is doing in the earth, he does it by, by the power and the presence of his Holy Spirit. But they rebelled and grieved the Holy Spirit. And verse 11, it says, So he remembered the days of old, Moses and his people saying, verse 11, Where is he who brought him up out of the sea with the shepherd of his flock? Where is he who, look at it, who put his Holy Spirit within them? In other words, the Spirit of God was within the camp of Israel. The Spirit of God was within them as a people. In verse 12, and, and he led them by the right hand of Moses with his glorious arm, referring to his power, his strength, dividing the water before them to make for himself an everlasting name, who led them through the deep as a horse in the wilderness that they might not stumble. And as a beast goes down into the valley, the Spirit of the Lord causes him to rest So you lead your people to make yourself a glorious name. What we see in the context here is their utter need of and hopefully dependence upon the presence of the Holy Spirit of God in their life. The very essence of empowerment that it's going to take to get from this place to that place. We don't like where we're at right now. We don't like what we're having to walk through. But you're not alone in it. Do you remember when Jesus was baptized? He came up out of the water. The Father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then right after that, the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness. If it happened to Jesus, don't think it ain't going to happen to you. Come on now. 
But he was led, if you remember, if you read the whole story, he was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. After 40 days, period of testing and trial, he came out, the Bible says, full of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Amen. Let me tell you something. There's something God is doing in your life, and that's what God was doing in the life of the people of Israel at the time. They were in an in-between place. But listen, there was something God was working in this people. He got them out of Egypt, but then he had to get Egypt out of them. And there's a work. Sometimes we don't know, we don't know in particular all the work that God is working in us, but we know it's something glorious, and it's something for the glory of his name, and it's something for our good. And he's bringing us through. Amen. Are you with me out there? And so the Spirit of God is the power of God at work in our lives and he's guiding us. He's directing us. It says here in verse 11 that, uh, that he brought them out of the sea with the shepherd. A shepherd guides the flock. And the shepherd he's making reference to is Moses, who was anointed of the Holy Spirit to lead the people out. And he led them through. And the, and the Spirit of God was with them. And he led them by the right hand of Moses. And even in those difficult places where there's obstacles like the sea before them he just divided the waters and they walked through on as it were just on clear open ground there was no stumbling it says right here didn't they didn't stumble as they were walking because god made the way before them right that's that's the power of the holy spirit at work if we will walk in the spirit if we will walk in the spirit we're going to get where god wants us to go He guides us. He enables us, just like he did with Moses. You remember when Moses held up that rod and through his, Bible says, Moses became his right hand and he held up that rod and the waters divided. God had the Spirit of God enabled him to deal with every obstacle that was in his way from here to there. And while you're in the in-between place, and you think, oh, I'm just, not, I'm just not where I need to be. I'm not going to experience. No, you're right where you need to be, and you have the power you need to get from here to there. Amen. You have everything you need. It's all right there. Amen. He not only guides us through, and he's guiding us. He's taking us from where we need to go, and he's enabling us, but he also will sustain us. Look at verse 13. And he led them through the deep. How many of you ever felt like you were in the deep? Anybody ever felt like you're in the deep place? Guess what? He leads you through the deep. I feel like this is over my head. Well, congratulations. You're just like Israel. And he's going to lead you through the deep. And I already made reference to this but i want you to see it again and as a horse in the wilderness that they might not stumble in the wilderness gives this picture of a horse galloping or running through the wilderness no need to fear obstacle because god makes the way straight in the wilderness he clears it all out for us if you walk in the spirit and trust in his presence and give him praise anyway. And so as they were going through, the Holy Spirit 
cause them not to stumble, that they might not stumble, that they might not utterly fall. Anybody here ever been running or walking and you just fell flat on your face? Sometimes you feel like you're going to do that. And sometimes in our own flesh, in our own carnality, we fall flat on our face. But here the picture is if we walk in the Spirit, we depend on the Spirit's presence, He will keep us from stumbling. Hallelujah. I love that. You know, we have been in a time in this COVID-19 issue it's brought a whole new vocabulary into our system. Essentials, you know, self-quarantine, flatten the curve, social distance. This is all now stuff that's a part of our everyday conversation. This, I despise it. Here's another one, the new normal. So sick and tired of hearing the new normal. I mean, I'm just sick of it. You know, when Israel left Egypt and they had an opportunity to go into the promised land and they didn't take it and they rebelled against God and they sent him back out in the wilderness, that was their new normal. <laughs> this is now my new normal. I don't like it. It's dry, it's desolate, it's hard, it's in between. I'd just rather go back than to be stuck here. Well, this is our new normal now. I don't know what the future holds for after all of this is all said and done. Maybe things will come back and maybe things eventually will kind of fall back in place. I don't know. Right now we know our new normal is this, like what we have, the six feet apart and nobody can shake hands and... You know, this, this is our new normal now. This, but in, in a few weeks, God, Terry, there's going to be a different new normal. My point is this. In the Christian life, you're always going to face a new normal. You're going to go through things in your life where it's going to be a brand new normal for you. And there's only one way to navigate it. By the Spirit of God. There's no other way to do it. I don't, I, I, the government has important as they are they can't help me the Lord I, ha I, I need the Holy Spirit to guide me to show me to direct me in places that are that are they just, they're just this is now the new normal in my life I need the Holy Spirit and here's what he said in verse 14 and I'm closing he said, as the beast goes down into the valley and the Spirit of the Lord causes him to rest, so you lead your people to make yourself a glorious name. When he referred to that, he said, you brought them out of Egyptian bondage. You brought them through the wilderness like a stallion running unhindered. And then like a beast, you brought them down into the valley. You brought them into the promised land. And there was rest. Everybody say rest. See, this is what God wants to do. He wants to get us in a place in our lives where we are just, there is that rest, that settledness. And that's what that word means. It just means to, to be quieted, to be settled in the Lord. 
in Exodus chapter 33, verse 14, here's what the promise was. The Lord said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Moses said, Lord, if you're not going to go with us through this wilderness, don't even send us forth. The Lord said, I'm going to go with you through this in-between time and I will give you rest. I'll bring you right where I want you to be. You know, you know you're at rest when in times of confusion you have clarity of thought. You know that you're at rest when everything pulls on your energy and you have the grace to just kind of keep on going, keep on serving. See, the rest that God is talking about is not when you run away from your problems and you run away from your responsibilities. That's not rest, that's defeat. Rest is when the world around you isn't measuring up. Rest is when things seem confusing in your life. You get clarity of thought and mind. You know exactly who you are. You know exactly what God is doing. And the world may be falling apart, but I'm not. Rest is when you have responsibilities. You got to keep going. You got to keep loving. You got to keep serving. But God gives you the grace to do it. That's rest not running away from it it's being settled in the Lord amen amen can we all stand together if you're somewhere in between in your life I'm so glad I'm no longer in Egypt right and I know by faith in Christ I am already in Canaan land but I also know that there are times I'm led out here. I'm led back out here. There's something God's doing. When you're in between, let's praise God. Let's praise the Lord anyway. Let's magnify the Lord and trust in His presence to see us through and depend on His Spirit to give us wisdom, to guide us, to direct us, to bring us right where God wants us to be. That's the only way to get through this. This is now our new normal. This is the way things are. So let's do that right now. Can we just do that? Can you just one more time just lift your hands with me to the Lord? Let's just lift up a praise, an audible, out loud praise to the Lord, just thanking Him. Lord, we thank You for Your loving kindnesses and for your great mercy and for your great goodness to us, Lord. We love you and we praise you in this place. Lord, and we do want to give you praise for your hand of mercy being upon us, Lord, and your kindness. And I pray for every one of us, Lord, if we have a bad attitude, that we will give you gratitude anyway. Lord, that we will begin to set the course of our life in praise and in worship right now. That we will set the course of our day. We will be like David. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I'm going to be a man. I'm going to be a woman of praise. And Lord, we ask, God, thank you for the, for the angel of your presence, for, the, for your face. Lord, you cause your face to shine upon us. Your presence is with us, God. We thank you for that. Lord, David said, where can we go? Where can we go from his presence? Where can we flee from his presence? There's, Lord, we need your presence in our lives. 
We need to know, God, that you're right here with us. Holy Spirit, guide us and direct us. Take us where you want us to go. And Father, I want to pray, especially anyone in the room or watching right now online, for any heavy burden, for for anyone struggling physically, emotionally, maybe someone feeling alone and lost and isolated for obvious reasons, but it's, but it's gotten into their spirit. God, we just pray healing right now over every one of our hearts. Jesus, as we reach out to you, as we reach out to touch the hem of your garment, God, let power flow into these hearts, these desperate lives. We just pray right now for healing. If you need a physical healing, just reach up to the Lord. Reach out to God. Even if it's you, you're sitting in your home right now, let's lift up a hand like you're reaching out for the garment of Jesus and receive his healing power. Receive the power of Jesus to heal you in spirit, in soul, and body right now. Lord, may it be so right now. May it be so, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. We bless your holy name. We honor you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Well, it was so good to have all of you watching online. Great to see everybody here today. Remember, this is the way we're exiting the building today. So if you have an offering, you want to drop it in the basket. You're free to do that. God bless you as you go. Thank you.